Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. City Church, happy Easter. It is great to see you all this morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, we get to celebrate with our brothers and sisters around the world, a part of the church. We're part of this great big family all around the world talking about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, it is tradition within uh, the church world for the pastor to say he is risen and the church to answer back he is risen indeed. So online family, you're going to join with us as well. So here we go. He is risen. Amen. Well, it is great to see you all here this morning and all online. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to welcome everybody. If you are part of our City Church family, I love you. I've been praying for you. It's so great to see some of you in the room today, and thank you for joining us online. If someone has brought you today and you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing or you're watching online today and you're not sure about it, man, thank you for being our special guest today. We are hoping that this service is meaningful to you. Just a couple of mentions that I want to, um, you know, as we come out of this second we're second period of time where we haven't been together. I just want to make mention and thank our church staff that they have been super flexible over the past year, adjusting and readjusting and trying to stay connected to you guys and, you know, moving ministry online, which hasn't been the easiest thing. But I just want to thank you. Shout out to our amazing church staff here at the City Church. And then another big mention uh, for a, a one specific part of our city team is our production team up there in the booth. And they have been uh, on a steep learning curve the last year to be able to put services online and to, to mix and to edit video and all those different things. And so I just want to thank that team led by Emmanuel Cruz. Uh, you guys have done such a great job. Thank you so much. So great. All right, let's pray and then jump into the message today. Father God, we just love you so much. We are so thankful today for the resurrected Christ, that he lives in us, that he changed all of history. He changed all of humanity because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And we celebrate that today with the church around the world. We thank you, Lord, for your word today, that you are speaking to our hearts, that you are showing us who you are. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this is actually part five of a series that we have called Live the Life. And it's just very easy for us to take for granted that we get to live, that we get to walk around and we get to talk and we get to think and we get to breathe. Just one, I just want to take a break from my message here. I want to shout out some of the kids in the room. I know you guys usually get to be in City Kids, but you get to be in here and listen to me preach today. Thank you for being in the room today, guys. I'm very proud of you for sitting there. So good. But we do, man. We just take for granted that we get to live, that we get to be alive. We just think, wow, this is sort of normal. But, you know, we, the, the fact that we get to live, and it's such a gift to us, it, it's such an amazing thing to think about when we pause and think about it. Now, the word life just means the principle or force that is considered to underlie the detective quality of animated beings. So we are animated beings. And the life of God is in us. It's in our DNA. It's in our cells. It's in our heart. It's in our brains. And the power of God that God breathed into Adam's lung to cause him to live is in us. And we all get to live 
based on God's common grace that he has given to all mankind. But when we think about the life that God would have us to live, it goes beyond just the fact that there's electricity in my brain, and there's electricity in my heart, and my body functions together in all of these amazing ways. That means that we're just alive. But we just don't want to be alive. We actually would, would and should want to know from the giver of life how to live our lives. And this is what this series is all about, that we would live the life of God beyond the electricity that's flowing in our bodies right now and, and all of those different aspects. So each week we've just been talking about all of these different amazing things about the human body. And, you know, just I recommend sometimes just Google so many things about, you know, our body. The week, week one we talked about our DNA and how amazing our DNA is. And we talked about our brain and we talked about the formation of our bodies in our mother's wounds last week. We talked about our lungs, that we get to breathe, and the oxygen gets into our bloodstream by these amazing things in our chest that is just that God has just put in there, that we are gifted. Now, we haven't talked about our eyes, that we get to see, and then we get to hear, and we get to smell, and we get to taste, and all of these amazing aspects of life that we have. Now, when we think about life and one of the things that we have discovered, or we should have discovered over this last season, that humans are really relational beings. That, that we have all of this life teeming through us, and, and that we are experiencing all of the time that we take for granted. And one of the things that we've learned over this past year is that we really miss people. I mean, we get to be with our family, but the other people, our friends and our co-workers that we haven't been able to see as much, and to go over people's houses and just hang out and have a party or do something. The, the introvert, uh, the most introverted person in the room or watching online, we're like, man, we really miss people. We really miss being with people. And God has created us with a need for relationships. Now, when we think about the idea of relationships and how effective they are for us, just sort of in the spiritual or emotional side of things, that relationships, healthy relationships, actually affect our bodies. Now, there's a, a very famous story about a bunch of Romanian orphans that happened about 20 or 30 years ago, and you can Google this and look it up online. I'm not exactly sure what happened politically in Romania, but there was all of these orphans that were just living in orphanages, and they never got loved. And what happened was they would just get placed in cribs, and they would get fed, and they would get their diapers changed, but they would never have any playtime. They would never have anybody hold them. And they examined these children, and what they discovered is that their bodies actually didn't grow, that their brains actually didn't grow properly because they had no relational interaction, that, our, uh, that us having positive, healthy relationships actually affects our lives in many positive ways. There's the positive effects of relationships for us that we actually get to live longer. It's been proven that people who have good, healthy relationships actually live longer. There's lower rates of anxiety and depression. There's greater empathy developed in positive relationships. Now listen to this. Having good relationships helps your immune system function better. And it's almost, I don't even know how we could describe that. And it's not, not nothing to do necessarily with physical touch, but just having positive interaction with other human beings affects your body. That there's this amazing connection of life in life-giving, loving relationships. And that's at the source of any healthy relationship is love. 
you know, and as we discuss, you know, God's rescue story for us today, really that is what, what we are reminded of, that, that God sent Jesus because he loves you and I. And that redemption story is all about God's love for humanity, that God didn't just give us electricity in our brains and a heart that beats, that he actually has a way for us to live within relationship with him because all of life comes down to relationships. We are created for relationships. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. So all of the single men in the room, you need a wife. It's not good for you to be alone, the scripture tells us. But beyond that, we all are made for relationships. This is before the fall. We don't have this craving need for relationships because there are sin. No, but this is just in us as human beings that God has created us with a need for relationship with other people. The, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the pre-existent God, that he lived in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that he created us with a need, a desire, a healthy need and desire for relationships. So it's one of the things that we've discovered over the last year, man, relationships are really important. That's why we've been telling you, you know, you guys need to get in the city group. You just need to stay connected with one another because God has invited us in to this family of God. See, one of the things that we discover in the context of healthy relationships, like I said, it's always based on love. Now, my, uh, my oldest daughter, as I've told you before many times, uh, who's 21, she explained something to me the other day. She's like, Dad, I'm 21. I'm like, I know how old you are. Another story. Um, <laughs> when, you know, moms, another biology lesson, moms get to carry babies. So you have that physical connect, connection with your children before they're born. But then when Avery was born, before I even held her, and I looked at her in the, you know, the little, I forget the name of it, the, I don't know the technical name for the container for the babies, but I'm looking at her in there, and my heart was just overwhelmed with love, and I had never actually even touched her yet. But I knew this was my child, and she was born out of uh, the love that Nicole and I had. And in that moment, I, I really started to discover about the love of God. And if we, being imperfect, sinful beings, love like this, or we can feel an emotion like this, how much more does God love us and desires to be in a relationship with us beyond the breath in our lungs and beyond the fact that we are animated beings? That he's actually desiring us to have this love relationship with himself, and he invites us into that. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, not life, animation in your brain and in your heart, but a way to live life that God designed. Now, this word abundant here just means exceeding abundant, something further, something more, superior, extraordinary, uncommon. That we have this relationship that's offered to us by the perfect, loving, heavenly Father. And then he wants us actually, from that relationship, to have abundance in our relationships, in our family, in marriages, parenting, kids, co-workers. That God has abundance, something more, something special 
about relationships. And one of the things that we've seen over this past year is there's just been a struggle in relationships. People have had, you know, domestic issues are way up this past year. People are struggling just in their relationships. But God has abundant relationships, and it starts with our relationship with Him. Now, this word, um, abundant life, Zoe, just means the fullness of life, that God wants us to have the fullness of life in the context of our relationships. Now, the gospel that we are celebrating today is found in 1 Corinthians 15, and verse 21 says this, For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. And as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now that doesn't mean, that these verses here talking about us being made alive, doesn't mean that there wasn't electricity flowing in our brains already, or our heart already wasn't beating. Now when we think about life and death, you know, sometimes we think about death as sort of ceasing to exist. But really death in the scripture means being separated. And here we see in Christ referring to a relationship that we have come alive to a relationship with God. And this is what we are celebrating at Easter. In Christ, this relationship that I have with Christ, when I say yes to Jesus, man, I come alive. And I'm discovering something about life just beyond beating heart and breathing lungs firing synapses in my brain, that I'm actually discovering life, how it was designed to be lived. Resurrection just means to be restored to life. See, all broken relationships are that. They're severed. Somebody you used to be a friend with, somebody you used to be married to, somebody that, you know, that you grew up with or a, an estranged child or an estranged parent, it, it's, it becomes broken. And those are painful things, beyond even physical pain that we could describe. We know when we feel physical pain, it, it, it's telling us stories that we need to take care of something in our body. But sometimes that pain that comes from relationships, we don't know how to fix it. Or pain that comes from broken relationships, we're not sure what to do with that pain because we don't even know where it is. It's not even a, a spot, I can't put a band-aid on it. I can't fix it. It's a really hard thing for us to put our hand in, on, and this is something, the life that God gives in a relationship with him, he wants that to show up in our lives through life-giving relationships, abundant relationships, relationships that go beyond. Listen to these verses about abundant, resurrected life relationships. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the, my everyday life, my family life, my work life, the life that I'm living in my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. By faith in the Son of God, that word faith just means trust. It means a relationship. And I'm putting my trust in God that I have this relationship with God. And then what does it say? Who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is why the primary relationship that we should have in our lives is our relationship with God. All relationships flow from that healthy place of, oh, God loves me and gave himself for me. And that relationship 
rightly ordered relationship, receiving what God has done for me through Christ. And that relationship infuses life into all my relationships. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says this, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That is brand new. Brand new life. Not just living a life of broken relationships, because I have a broken relationship, but God knows that I have this thing that God has offered to me, that God has provided for me, and then I can walk that out. I'm no longer severed from my Creator, that I actually have a relationship with God, and then I can walk that out every day. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. We imitate God, we walk in love, and then we remind ourselves, oh, Jesus laid his life down for me. There's no greater expression of love than that, and he's done it for us all. And he invites us all into this relationship. And all we have to do is say yes. We want to integrate life-giving relationships into the relationships that we have so that we can walk in love with each other. Now, Jesus um, is very interesting when he chose his disciples, the group of guys that he chose to be basically his family while he was here on the earth for the about three years of ministry that he did. The disciples that he picked, that they were, they were going to be the leaders in, of the church in the future. But when we look at the makeup of this group of guys, Jesus actually picked people who would disagree on certain issues to be his followers, to be his family. We have two different specific guys. We have Simon the Zealot, and then we have Matthew the Tax Collector. Now, this might be a little bit blind to us because we don't know the culture of the time. But Simon the Zealot was very against the Roman occupation of Israel, sort of that Israel should be an autonomous country. We don't want any more occupiers in our land here with the Roman soldiers. And then you had that guy, and then also you had Matthew, who was a Jewish guy, but he was a tax collector. So in other words, he was in relationship with Rome to help exact taxes from his people and give it to Rome. Now, could you see maybe a little bit of an issue there? Maybe some sort of political difference there. But here, Jesus is calling these people from different places to be in his family, to be his disciples. And the call goes out today for all people who think differently and look differently. Man, hey, I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my disciples. Now, when we think about his disciples, you know, we remember at the crucifixion, we have a specific memory of, of Peter denying Jesus three times. But the scripture also says that all his disciples deserted him, betrayed him, left him at the crucifixion. It's kind of an amazing thought that you think when, when Jesus reappeared to his disciples after the resurrection, it could have made for some uncomfortable conversations, right? You know, they were so pro-Jesus, and then he died, and like, oh, I guess I'm out about this situation. And then he, Jesus shows back up. And it's going to make for some awkward moments. But here is one of these moments. We see it here in John chapter 21. And the first thing that we see here in these verses, verses that Jesus invites us to feast with him. Let's see what this means. Verse 9. 
squatted out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with, with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, such a specific number. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so it was with the fish. Now this is the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus wanted to have a feast with his disciples. He invited them to his table. What does this represent? Hanging out with God, invited to the table. It's invited to the table of God's provision. See, God has made provision for us all. We think about the book of Revelation. There's a very famous verse that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is standing outside of the door of our lives, and the scripture says, continues, Behold, I want to come in. And one translation says, I want to sup with you. In other words, I just want to eat with you. There's a closeness being talked about. There's a family aspect, sitting down at the family table and having a discussion. And what do we know that happens at the family table? Well, we get to eat for our bodies. But then there's also something that happens for our soul in that moment. And then we know when we have guests come over to our house and they're there for a little while. And maybe they need something. What do we say to them because we're tired of getting them stuff? What do we say? Make yourself at home. In other words, you're part of the family. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples, all who deserted him, all who left him because he was crucified. And we would think, I would never betray Jesus. I would have been one of the ones that, no, no, you would have been one of the ones that deserted him, and so would have I. But this is the truth of the relationship that we have with God. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Even when we were pushing God away, He invites us close and says, come and feast with me. Come and sit at my table. Come and be in my family. The second thing we see here, this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples after his resurrection, is that we see forgiveness. He says, come and feast with me, and then he says that we are forgiven by him. Back to Peter, we know that Peter specifically denied Jesus three different times, and then Jesus has this interaction with Peter. It's such an amazing, grace-filled interaction. Because I don't know about you, but if somebody betrayed you three times and you knew it, anyone feel like revenge a little bit? You know, you want to get back? Bro, like, we were together for three years. I told you that I was going to come back from the dead. Didn't you believe what I said? I did all of these miracles. I preached this message. And then you weren't there and you denied me. But Jesus didn't push him away. He brought him back in and forgave him. Well, this is what he said to Jesus. This is what he said to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three denials, three questions. And what is Jesus doing here in this interaction with Peter? He's obviously not casting him aside. He's not saying to him, you know what, your mistakes, all of the things you've done wrong, all of the ways that you've denied me, because that's what we do when we sin. We're, we're denying the lordship of Christ and we're putting ourselves in that lordship place. Even though you've denied me, I'm still involving you in what I'm doing in the world. And then here we see this vertical relationship that we have with God, but then Jesus wants it expressed in the horizontal. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Who are the sheep? These people. This love that I'm giving to you, this forgiveness that I'm giving to you, I want you to give that to others. And this is how I want you to live your life. You've made mistakes. You've done things wrong. But Jesus is telling Peter, that is not going to define you. That I'm going to involve you in my mission because you are in my family. Come and feast with me. Come, you are forgiven. And then the last thing he says in this interaction with his disciples, he says it multiple times, he says, follow me. Follow me, Jesus says. And this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what Christ follower means. It means follower of Jesus. God is wanting us just to be with him. He's wanting to be with us. He's wanting us to know that our past doesn't define our future, that he offers us forgiveness. And then he says, follow me. Part of the interaction with his disciples that the disciples were asking Jesus some questions and that like, you know, what about him and what about him and what he's going to do? And he, Jesus answered like this, what is that to you? You follow me. See, it's very easy for us in the culture that we live in today is just to get upset about other people and what they're doing. If we could, you know, complain about other people, then Jesus would say to us what he said to his disciples. What is that to you? I want you to follow me. If somebody else is messing up their life, you don't mess up your life. You follow me. If somebody else does something wrong, no, I want you to still live in this relationship with me and then live it out in the horizontal. You follow me. See, when we follow Jesus, we receive the life that he gives through a relationship with him, sourced in love, based on sacrifice. He just offers it to us. Come, I want, I want you to be in my family. I want you to come and feast with me. That your mistakes are not defining your future. You're forgiven. Chapter 12, verse 5 says this, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is what the great thing is this morning about seeing you all. 
I mean, I have my nuclear family with my wife and my two daughters, but you guys are my family just the same. When I walked down the stairs this morning, I could see some of the people that we haven't seen for so long. I, said, I don't know what happened. We, did, we didn't shake hands. We're not allowed to shake hands. And I don't even know what the interchange was, but there was life. We saw each other, and I, there was smiling happening through masks, and there was something given back and forth. Life was coming in relationships. We are members of one another. We are the family of God. Ephesians 4, verse 25, for we are members of one another. The gospel makes us right with God, but then the gospel says, hey, i got a whole new family for you. We're celebrating with this family locally. We're celebrating with the family of God around the world that we serve a risen Savior. He wants us to walk an abundant life. He wants that life to show up in our relationships. Last verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What is mercy? That God gives us something Just like Peter, we've denied Christ. We've pushed him away. We've sinned. We've made mistakes. But God doesn't push us away. He gives us mercy. Invites us into his family. He says, come and sit down at my table. I, I have life for you. And, and come. Your past is not defining you. I have forgiven you your sins.
blessed to following you. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those people that did that for the very first time. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.